Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. And this is our podcast to share topics and guests that will empower you to grow as a confident leader. I'm Vicki Nettling coming to you from Roswell, Georgia, and my goal is really to help you grow your business and take it to that next level. Today, my host is Mary Ann Snow. Let me tell you about Mary Ann. At her remote nation institute, Mary Ann Snow is rewriting the rules of leadership in this new age of remote, distributed, virtual, flexible work. Her experience operationalizing and optimizing flexible work programs is practical, real world, and results driven. Marianne is a recognized expert in virtual collaboration work practices and current distant communication systems that she leverages to lead highly productive distributed organizations. Marianne has a new book that's coming out the Remote Worker Handbook. I'm going to say that again because everybody's going to want this. The Remote Worker Handbook. It should be out September 13th, um, right around the bend from this podcast. It outlines her philosophy and pragmatic approach to building and leading successful, resilient teams in today's new, ever-changing workplace. The theme for today's episode is, why are old leadership methods unsuitable for remote teams? Please join me in welcoming Mary Ann Snow. Thanks so much, Ricky, for those very, very kind words. Much appreciated. And I'm delighted, delighted to be here to have this conversation on this topic. Yeah, so, so needed. It, It is a part of the roadmap that a lot of people don't know, don't, and and had hesitated traveling down for years and years, you know, they just um, felt so uncomfortable at releasing their micromanaging or the ability for people to get the job done. And, And I think if any gift that COVID gave us was the the realization that people can and do work well wherever they work, as long as you give them good guidance, expectations, and goals. So I always start out with an easy question before we get into the meat of this, and I only have a half an hour, so I right now know that I'm going to have to have you back, but um, what part of the country do you call home? I'm physically based in um, Providence, Rhode Island, but I have to tell you, if I were to say where I'm located, anywhere the internet will take me. (laughs) (laughs) That's my philosophy too. (laughs) So when we talk about 
this topic of remote, uh, the first thing that I want to delve into, and it's an area that I also promote and teach, and that's the new leadership skills that you need to to succeed in business today, whether you're an employee, uh, owner, or just a, um, a uh, an a team member, yeah, right, a team right. member, anyone, everyone needs to change. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, and Vicki, you and I um, were chatting just before we got started today, and we were talking about the fact that we were engaging in this type of work collaboration well before COVID. Yeah. And ironically, while people have resisted the language of remote work, People have been working remotely and in what we call distributed teams or or um, um, teams that are column virtual, call them whatever you want. They just don't sit in the same location. But people have been doing this for a good long time. And I remember, um, you know, having to lead teams at a time period where the technology wasn't as good and we had to get really creative about mm -hmm. how we were going to bring folks together. And yet, um, you know, some of the fundamentals haven't changed and you alluded to this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, expectations are um, going to be relevant whether you're in an office or when you're not in an office mm -hmm. so that people have clarity on what they're going to be held accountable to. Right. Yeah. And um, and I think um, there has been a misconception that um, line of sight equates to um, a good job performance or um, uh, productivity. Mm -hmm. And uh, the plain fact is, is that anybody who's worked in an office knows that people can slack off in an office just like they can slack off outside mm -hmm. an office. And um, and having somebody in a physical structure with you is also not going to equate to good interpersonal skills, good collaboration skills, and good end um, uh, product deliverables. And so mm -hmm. um, those expectations are, are huge, but it's also important that you can um, coach and teach and provide the resources necessary so that people can execute on those expectations. And in a, a, the one thing that is unique about a remote and distributed team environment is, you know, those of us who do it, we're very dependent on technology. So mm -hmm. you have to really kind of think about this as an, as, as much an infrastructure problem as it is a um, leadership problem. And so leaders today not only have to be able to set the work uh, expectations and and articulate them and communicate them in a multi-channel, sometimes multicultural environment. Mm -hmm. But uh, you also have to really kind of think about this as a multidiscipline problem because um, whether we're talking about the technology requirements, whether we're talking about security and and um, collaboration skills, mm -hmm. whether we're talking about um, really kind of um, engendering engagement, you know, there's, there are lots of aspects of um, running remote and distributed teams that start to touch every aspect of a talent management life cycle, yeah. you know, and in addition to that, you still have to really kind of think about how are you going to practically get work done, yeah. right? systems access, 
um, uh, you know, what are you going to do with documents to make sure that um, you've got good version control? You know, so mm -hmm. from a practical and a pragmatic point of view, you really have to rethink your operating structure. And I know that onboarding is probably the very first challenge that people are failing at in, in this. And I see it all the time where, you know, I, to, to start working um, for this contract that I have, it took almost three weeks to get everything to the point where I was 100% connected. And that just can't be, you know, you need that person generally, especially a contract worker, you need them producing day one. And, you know, that's one aspect, right? Systems access. But on uh, job function and responsibilities, you're talking about not just access to the system, but also um, connection to the team, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and whether we're talking about someone who is contracting with your team is in the gig economy, whether we're talking mm -hmm. about someone who is actually coming on your team as a, an employee, yeah. the plain fact is, is that, um, um, engagement is going to be equivalent to someone's capacity to not only um, share and, and um, you know, just own up to the fact that something's on time or something's not on time, mm -hmm. get to a trust place where um, they're going to tell you if they're having problems or if they have a concern about something. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, really feel uh, uh, a, um, uh, a thoughtful consideration for the people that they're working with so that they understand that their deliverables are going to impact other people and that it's, you know, that they're actually going to feel concerned about that, right? Yeah, and right. If, if there's not trust and if you haven't actually made an effort to engage someone on your team, fundamentally, you are giving away some of the productivity that you're trying to gain um, with, with that collaboration. And that's just, um, it's not helpful to anybody. That's absolutely true. Why are old leadership methods um, unsuitable for then those remote? You gave a, a few examples there, but you know, what else do we have to change? I think, you know, one of the things that we have to change is I think we have to adopt a, a um, an attitude of positivity that we have to <laughs> assume that we have to assume positive intent. We have to, um, you know, instead of assuming that someone is messing around or not doing their job if they're out of sight, sight and out of mind, we have to give people the benefit of the doubt. And mm -hmm. I think that's the starting point, right? So I think you have to check your mental attitude. If you're going to run these kind of teams, because I, I want you to look at it in, in relation to what happened at COVID and what's happening now with the great resignation and, and some of just the great discontent that's happening with team people yeah. in general. Um, you know, during COVID, employees really stepped up and um, folks who had never engaged or never, never knowingly engaged, because quite frankly, if you, if you were on a conference call before COVID or you had um, some sort of a device you were using to check email, or if you happened to work while you were traveling, you were already engaging in a, in a form of remote work. Right. But um, uh, when COVID came, 
the whole world kind of stepped up and um, did a proof of concept of what could be accomplished in um, these dispersed team environments, right? Just dispersed and distributed team. And we did it at a time period where um, schools weren't, um, were disrupted, where um, uh, people were sharing a home space, where there was a lot of um, uh, just, you know, fighting for bandwidth in many mm-hmm. cases, um, mm-hmm. where um, all this stuff happened, and yet people kept things together. Right. And they did it like adults. You know, they were adults working independently. And now after COVID, there's a contention in many ways that um, for at the um, leadership level that you have to bring people back into the office because now that things have gone past, you know, lockdown, that everybody has to come back in. And, and it's kind of insulting for folks yeah. who went through this, they proved the model, they proved their professionalism. And now you're telling me I have to commute when gas is at an ast- astronomical yeah. mm-hmm. price. When I finally can use that little space I carved out for myself, that's a home office, because I don't have to fight for, um, you know, space. So I think um, part of the disconnect is that um, many leaders that I talk to are really struggling because they can't shift their thinking to how do I support my remote workforce? How do I teach my remote workforce? How do I hold my remote workforce accountable? But how do I also build trust and give them the benefit of the doubt? And um, ironically, I think um, what it is forcing people to think about is how do we measure success? And in a remote work environment, measuring success comes down to deliverables that have been articulated and they're either met or they're not met. And then you can evaluate the quality of the work, right? And yeah. you can also really kind of think about things from a um, just an interpersonal collaboration perspective, a team engagement perspective, and you can come up with measures. Right. Um, right. So I, I think that um, one of the, the interesting things, a conversation I had with someone just the other day is uh, my contention right at this point in time is it's really hard um, to, um, to project the role of senior executive or um, senior leader if you know you don't have a special parking space, if you don't have the corner office, if you don't have some of the you know physical attributes yeah. that you have that indicate to other people that you're higher on the food chain when you're in a distributed team environment because um, you know everybody works equal, right? Um, to a certain extent, it, it's a flattening of the organization in some ways. And, um, you know, it's uh, a really interesting dynamic. And so I'm saying, I think we have to give up the notion that there have to be um, physical symbols of leadership in order for you to feel like, like you're the top dog on the team, right? Just give me the money. (laughs) 
But but you think about it too. Um, I know some of the corporations that I have worked with um, you know, <clears throat> through the, my, my Toastmaster role, they had the senior leaders come in during COVID yep. to an office, you know, so there was like with seven, no one. seven or eight people. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why? Why would you, you make that person do that unless that was a quieter place for them to work and be able to strategize maybe, um, but, you know, to, to, to do that, I, that never made sense to me. Yeah. You know, and I think it was also really interesting is that um, I saw some companies um, pretty early on start to ask their people to come back in. And a lot of those organizations had workspaces that um, had doors that could close and things like that. And what they were finding is people would come in the building, but they wouldn't come out of their offices yeah. and they wouldn't go into meeting rooms together. So they would all still do virtual meetings. Uh, and that is still going on. I just had somebody on Saturday talking about that. And they they mentioned that, you know, they had about 15 people in the office and they were never off of their computer. They were doing virtual meetings all day long. And so why did I have to come into the office kind of thing? Right. So and I crazy. think, you know, I think it's important to know that um, every um study that's been done by every major consulting firm, you know, we're talking about Gartner, we're talking about um, PwC, we're talking about Deloitte. So we're not talking about small, um, you know, research um, surveys, we're talking about very, very large research surveys that are that are touching really kind of the pulse of what's happening. And, you know, most people agree that having um, FaceTime has value, mm -hmm. um, you know, but coming to the office once a week for a specific strategic purpose, or maybe twice a week, is different than having to haul yourself into the office five days a week. Right. When, um, you know, do you actually need a nine to five schedule or can you accomplish your um, deliverables outside of a nine to five schedule. And if you're working in international teams That's right. where everybody's nine to five is very different, mm -hmm. then um, it's just crazy. Uh, and so what's happening is people are saying, I don't want to do this anymore. And they're voting with their feet mm -hmm. and um, they are requiring um, uh, of their new employers more flexibility, right, which is right. going to force leaders and supervisors who have really um, had much more comfort in old style command and control management mm -hmm. to make adjustments because they're not going to have an option. Right. You know, it's That's just going to so be true. part of it. Yeah. And the whole thing, I know when we started remote way back in 2010, 2011, and it was like, you could have um, one day a week remote and you couldn't do a Friday or Monday because that meant that you were going on a long weekend and God forbid you should have fun. <laughs> so, um, but the thing was, if you had a meeting on that prescribed day, you had to come in anyway. And, and so I think to, to your point, you know, just if you have a meeting that you need to be face to face, then you go in for that meeting and you come home and you continue working as you know needed. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, and you know um, we live about um, fifty minutes south 
of Boston, Massachusetts on a good day. Mm. And um, let me just tell you, uh, I used to work in Boston. And, um, you know, what are you going to do when you've got, you know, it's in the best of times uh, on a great day, 50 minutes to the office um, uh, and or, um, you know, about an hour on public transport, but you may have heard Boston just just um, closed down part of their public transport for a month and um, traffic has actually gotten so bad that there's an eight mile stretch that could take two hours oh, Lord. to navigate. <laughs> um, so you could get stuck in the car coming from Providence to Boston for three hours a day, one way. Welcome to Atlanta. <laughs> Same here. So can you really create meaningful work in a remote environment? I think, um, you know, the proof of concept already exists. I mean, we're mm -hmm. not, Vicki, you and I are not making this up. Um, <laughs> you know, we've been highly effective remote um, uh, professionals for a really long time. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, even if you're working locally, um, you know, the, the likelihood that you're going to have um, contact with a company that has multiple locations, or maybe you're dealing with customers at a distance, mm -hmm. or um, uh, maybe you've got contractors who are offsite. There's so many permutations of this now. And, mm -hmm. and so, um, uh, and if it was that ineffective, then uh, we we would have had a, a lot less productivity even pre-COVID. Right. And we certainly would have had less productivity during COVID. And so why wouldn't we be able to accommodate it in the uh, this next iteration of COVID, right? The next mm -hmm. kind of post-COVID era. And so um, I, I think it really kind of boils down to what's the operating framework that you create that will enable people to be able to do it because the technology is better than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing that's kind of interesting is um, we're in an inflection point where there are conceivably five different age generations Absolutely. that are in the workforce right now. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, we're, getting people into the workforce now who have never lived without a smartphone, never known, um, uh, you know, what, uh, don't like email, aren't interested in email, communicate differently, don't use the phone to answer phone calls, and have never been to a post office, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and so they're building new um work models that allow them to be able to be digital nomads. So they're not just asking to work from home. They're looking at um, constructs that will allow them to work from Bangkok yeah. or, you know, Bali or, mm -hmm. you know, um, the Swiss mountains, any place mm -hmm. where there's inter internet connection. Absolutely. So um, I think the, there's a lot of, actual data, a lot of empirical data. And uh, I know that there are lots of people who say, yes, yes, but what about the social aspects? Please, please don't over-romanticize the office because there were stinkers working in the office who weren't any fun to be around. <laughs> um, 
Just like, you know, there are stinkers in remote and distributed teams that aren't any fun being around. So, you know, so it's really about what's the operating model that you're going to set up so that you can enable people to be successful and then transition your role to enabling them, coaching them, mentoring them, holding them accountable and, um, you know, removing barriers that are going to allow them to be able to meet their job commitments and then holding them accountable like adults. What a surprise. So it's like, as a manager or leader, working as an adult with adults and asking people to live up to the responsibilities that that they're accountable to. I know with my teams, we used to always have the kickoff and the closeout in person, and yeah. we would fly them in from all over the world. But if you think about it now, I am not paying for you to have a desk, a space, the air conditioning, the water, the food, any of that during the the normal day. So me flying you in for a week in a hotel is not gonna break the bank, but it truly helps to build a stronger team relationship. Yeah, and I think, you know, even with that, I I think that um, you and I both know um, that um, there have been time periods where different countries have taken different approaches um, to how they're managing this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, even as things started opening up, I was working with clients that had international teams and mm-hmm. people couldn't leave because their mm-hmm. um, they had travel restrictions not allowing them to do. Yeah. So mm-hmm. learning how to navigate that. What do you do when you have some people in the room and you still have to have virtual folks and you want mm-hmm. engagement? Well, part of it is you got to learn how to moderate and facilitate when some people are physically there and some people are not Um, so that the team itself starts to see each other as transcending location Mm -hmm. so that we're transcending that and we're thinking of ourselves as international citizens but also looking for ways to humanize people yeah so that you know whether it's using folks folks names Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vicki, you were mentioning earlier that whole um, construct of, you know, um, accountability mm-hmm. and um, uh, deliverables and all of those sorts of things. Well, it, you know, Vicki, if if you're my friend and I feel um, there's trust between us, then that means that, that you can be in Atlanta. I could be in Providence, but I don't think of you less. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, um, you know, my um, my commitment to making sure that I make your life easier because I know you got my back. You know, I got your back. So we're working together on that. Um, you know, that's the sort of thing that will accelerate productivity. And it's the lack of trust mm-hmm. or the lack of connection. You know, if we treat people like, um, you know, bits and bites because yeah. they're not physically present, then they will treat us like bits and bites and there'll be no incentive for them to um, uh, go the extra mile to... Um, do more that than what's asked of them and appreciate 
just um, their their willingness to interpret, you know, to give us the benefit of the doubt. Right. And and I also think that you know it's a huge mindset and and change management piece. I, I know that in the office, if I had an issue or a problem, and I might have emailed the person once or twice, and if I wasn't getting an answer clear in that mm-hmm. once or twice, I just got up and walked down to their office. Well, now I think people need to understand that if you aren't clear in your direction in in your expectations, or if something comes up, even if even if you had something that you thought a good thought about that person on your team, why not pick up the phone or you know engage in a little Zoom happy hour with them just to share your ideas, your expectations, yep. your thoughts, your gratitude. And I think that's you know we start our day, we end our day, and we might never reach out beyond email with our team. Yeah. And it's a, it's such a, um, it's such a missed opportunity because, um, you know, um, there are so many ways to connect now and, um, we say to ourselves, geez, um, that's going to take time. Well, you know, tell me when investing in relationship hasn't taken time. And I don't care if you're in an office or you're not in an office, um, you know, you build trust over, um, a, a period of time based on, living up to your word based mm-hmm. on showing compassion and concern based on providing feedback that is um, uh, respectful and mm-hmm. um, helpful and concrete and shows compassion and caring. Yeah. And um, yes, I know this is business, but um, business is still conducted by people and people are emotional creatures and they're messy and I can be highly professional And I can be highly on task and still ask you how your day is. Absolutely. Um, And make sure that you're all right. Yeah, that's, you know, that's important. I, I know that there are some people that think the, you know, my office work, my business is business and personal is personal. But the problem is with that is that you're not dealing with a machine and you might have a bad day. And I'm going to think it's because you're just a jerk, but there could have been a whole lot of things going on in your life that if you would have just taken a minute to explain, you know, be authentic, be vulnerable, allow yourself to share, then it changes the whole dynamic. Yeah, and I think um, this was actually a positive thing that came out of COVID, um, Mm -hmm. you know, because... Um, suddenly you had millions of people who were engaging in things like we're doing right now, video conference um, Mm -hmm. uh, in a different way. And um, we think about it. Um, There were people who had worked with their colleagues and coworkers for years. Sometimes I talked to people who had worked together for 10, 20, 30 years, Mm -hmm. had never been in that person's home, didn't know much about their personal lives, um, had never actually interacted or engaged with them. Whereas on they were on video conferencing calls, um, they were seeing what that person's um, home looked like. Mm-hmm. They were meeting their family members. They were meeting their their kitty cats and their pets. You know that I met somebody's bunny rabbit once. You know, and it's just 
So, and we met their children. We met their significant others. Um, uh, we met, you know, um, just them in a, in a much more vulnerable setting. Yeah. And I don't care if you're female, if you're male, if you're young, if you're old, um, you know, when you're sitting in your house, um, it's just a different vibe. And um, it was the leader, you know, the leaders who made it okay, who said to folks, none of that matters, because this is the circumstance we're in, and, and we're working together, who allowed that stuff to happen. Mm -hmm. Those teams got got closer. Those yeah. teams felt more connected. Mm -hmm. And those teams actually stayed together post COVID because they remembered how they were treated during COVID. Right, right. It's that respect. Well, we're almost out of time, but I did want to ask one more question before we go into the rapid fire. Hmm. And that is, we talked a lot about what work is best suited. But there are jobs out there that it, it you just cannot do them remote. You know, I, I work for UPS and there are jobs, even in, in my projects where we have to test in person. Yeah. And um, and so what other industries would be unsuited for remote work? Well, you know, um, Vicki, um, that's changing rapidly. And um, I was actually with a group of folks last night, we were talking about this. And one of the projects that I'm working with is I'm working with NASA. And um, I'm going to be, um, I'm working on a team that's going to be putting things onto the International Space Station. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, we're designing experiments that have to be done on the space station by other people right now, but eventually they'll be done automatically with robotics. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and so when you're saying to me what's possible or what's not possible, um, uh, there are restaurants now um, that are, you know, getting rid of all their counter help and um, having people um, really kind of order from kiosk, you know, from flat screens. And then they've got someone cooking, but there are other restaurants that actually have robots cooking, you know, so it's like... Um, there are switches happening. Telemedicine is now um, part of the landscape and it's something that's reimbursable. So um, people are rethinking how um, healthcare is gonna be delivered. Mm -hmm. And um, Amazon um, just uh, bought a, a company called One Health um, uh, and that's gonna impact it. Um, folks are working on um, uh, autonomous vehicles. And so, you know, today we think of how important um, truck drivers are, but what happens in the future remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. um, manufacturing, um, uh, you know, remains to be seen. So um, there will always be folks um, who use face-to-face -face as a differentiator. But um, when people say to me, how do you know when remote's appropriate? The first thing I say to them is, what are you trying to accomplish from right. a, your business? So what are your objectives? Um, uh, what's your business model? What's happening in your industry and what's happening with your competition? Work backwards from there and start thinking about remote and, and flexible work as um, an adjunct to your strategy as uh, a support and a, an and extender of your strategy, 
and one element of your strategy because mm -hmm. not everybody is going to be able to be a remote company like my company is remote. Um, uh, and yet your company, almost every company on earth is doing some form of remote or distributed or dispersed sure. teamwork. So um, uh, you got to account for that and you have to plan for it. Yeah. You know, I might want to be a chef and I might always want to be in that kitchen, but I can certainly see how that I might be the only person in that kitchen. I have a heck of a good kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely could see that. All right, it's time to go to our rapid fire. The first is extroverts. Can they adapt and succeed in remote work? They really can. Um, you know, um, uh, the event world um, started really kind of thinking about how to do a ton of events um, virtually. And so, um, but it opened up lots of opportunities for extroverts to get to know lots of people. A very smart person once said to me, every person I meet online is just a friend I haven't met. That's um, exactly right. You know, so um, an extrovert can be um, as healthy in these environments as um, in their face-to-face -face environments, but it's about mental shift. You said it, it's a mental shift. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe being one, that introverts <laughs> thrive, you know, we are thriving because some of that fear, you know, that I work with people on, but some of that fear of in-person kind of goes away. And it's, a, you know, more than one person has said to me, it levels the playing field. Yeah, it surely does. Yeah. What is the biggest barrier for remote work success? I think it's a mindset, and I think that it is an immediate assumption that um, it can't work. And so um, I think shifting to an open-minded position where you at least are curious and you start exploring what's possible. Mm -hmm. in, in my project management, I always, always start with process management to look at what the process is, see where are their gaps, where are their opportunities and pain points. And then you start to deconstruct mm -hmm. and re-engineer. Re and uh, I think that's what we have to do in, in this situation as well. You know, look what you're doing today and, and question everything you're doing. Is there a better way to do it? And yeah. can it be done virtually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was actually why I wrote the book because um, in 2020, so many people were coming to me struggling, right? Yeah. And they were trying to figure it out. And so um, we spent 18 months doing um, uh, pro bono work where we were helping every single industry that you could possibly imagine to mm -hmm. give them um, possibilities of ways forward in um, these types of um, really new environments so it's important it's really yeah. important it's a different operating model mm -hmm. but um different is not bad or good right. it's just different <laughs> what would be an ideal client for remote nation an ideal client for us is an organization that has a clear sense of what they're trying to accomplish. And they see um, remote distributed or dispersed teamwork as um, uh, an important part of their strategy. And they want 
to examine their current operating structure. And they need help to um, really kind of think through some of the logistics, mm -hmm. but also, um, uh, you know, they have a, a, a very uh, engaged leadership group, senior leadership group, you know, operations team that um, sees the value and uh, wants to engage and be great um, executive sponsors. Awesome. So how did you pivot in these last two years? Uh, there were a couple of things. Um, one is my core business, which is um, business to business consulting, B2B consulting um, really kind of expanded itself because to your point, it's like, what new skills do you need? So mm -hmm. in 2020, we stood up um, the Remote Nation Institute uh, actually in two weeks. We put it together <laughs> in two weeks um, and started doing pro bono training of leaders. Um, uh, we did webinars. We did uh, emergency seminars. We um, did everything possible. We um, have um, done some self-published books. Um, I was approached by Rutledge Press to do um, a, a handbook for how to operationalize the business model, which is coming out to your point on September mm -hmm. 13th. And um, we just went into high gear um, because this is how we work. This is how mm -hmm. we operate. And so um, for us, this was not an overnight <laughs> um, uh, sensation. This was a, let us help you think through this business problem because first and foremost we're business operations people um, uh, and we have a, a, a clear interest in helping folks and um, we've already got proven techniques because we've already done the research and we already have the base framework that mm -hmm. you can use. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen so anyone that is just listening in if you go grab a pencil and paper and let us go ahead and share contact information, remotenationworks.org. Again, that's remotenationworks.org is the website. She's given you um, her email and cell phone number for those that are grabbing that. But I want you to take a moment and just explain the gift that you have for our listeners today. So the Remote Nation Institute, is redesigning work practices and standardizing the um, techniques that we've used for a very long time. And um, so we're saying to you, if you're struggling, please, please, um, uh, you know, first of all, we're going to give you a discount on any of our learning programs. Um, uh, we're giving you a 10% and that MAS10 um, is my discount code. Please be my guest. Come out to the Remote Nation Institute. We have um, e-learning self-paced programs. We have live stream virtual um, programs, uh, professional certificate programs, lots of opportunity, lots of options for you. Um, come and see us. If you have questions, email me um, and I'm happy to give you more background. Awesome. All right, one last moment, grab that screenshot. Well, Marianne, it has been a pleasure and I definitely think that we can um, definitely have another session after your book comes out to, to talk about more about what the book has in it and focus really on that. There were a lot of tips that she shared with you all today. I think a lot of 
maybe things that would spark some thoughts that may in, kind of incite you to go and um, reach out to Marianne and go to her website at remotenations.org to work, I'm sorry, remotenationworks.org to be able to see how you can improve because it is, a change is coming, a change is needed and you should be the, the person who is bringing that about. It has been such a great pleasure, Marianne, and I, um, and I hope that we do meet again and can collaborate on some other things. We're very much aligned in our thought processes, I can see. Yeah, um, I think we're sisters in remote work <laughs> here, Vicki. Yeah, for sure, for it's sure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. So what I'm going to do, as always, I end, life is a journey, and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.